بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. Tonight in the uh, in the seer of the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام we get to the we get to the very pivotal but also a very difficult point in which the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام he goes to the city of Taif and it's important for us to keep in mind for us to note that when you look at the ayah for example in Surah Al-Zukhruf uh, in which Allah quotes some, some of the haters uh, of the Prophet ﷺ at that time, some of the haters of Islam they said Why wasn't this Qur'an sent to a great man from any of these two great cities? The two great cities they're referring to are Mecca and Ta'if Now when we think of the two great cities in Hijaz we think of Mecca and Medina but Medina was yet to happen so the two great cities in that region, in that area, were Mecca and Ta'if. So because the Prophet ﷺ, because he, he lost this external shield, you could say, in Abu Talib after his uncle Abu Talib passes away, now that political support is completely gone and, and the pressure increases and the treatment, the treatment decreases. Things continue to get more and more rough and difficult and clearly there, there's a need for a change. So what the Prophet is doing and subhanAllah, it's amazing, you find this time and time again in the seat of the Prophet ﷺ. He's always doing his part. He's always tying his camel, so to speak, and trusting Allah Azza wa Jal. So he does his part, ﷺ, by going with Zayd ibn Haritha to the city of Ta'if. And he, he went to Ta'if specifically and strategically because if one of the great cities, it's amazing when you look at the optimism of the Prophet ﷺ. Like, it really makes you think like, how could a person in these circumstances think in this way when, when looking at that type of situation? The Prophet was constantly optimistic. It doesn't mean that he didn't have problems. It didn't mean that he didn't have pain because he had a lot of problems and challenges and there was also a lot of pain. But the Prophet, he would try to look at the bright side of things. He would try to find a silver lining. He would try to find, you know, maybe even if things are difficult here in Mecca, maybe over there it'll be better. So he has this optimistic outlook, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So he goes strategically to the city of Ta'if. Okay, if it's not working out in this great city, let me go to another great city in the region. So he and Zayd ibn Haritha, they go on foot, they travel on foot, they go to the city of Ta'if and he meets with, uh, they basically had three key uh, leaders in their city, so he meets with them. And each one of them has a very foul uh, response to him, alayhi salatu wasallam. And he asks them, then please at least keep, you know, my trip here, this, this discussion that I had with you, please just keep it, you know, on the down low, keep it secret. If you're not going to accept it, if you're not going to allow for me and my community to, to migrate here, to make hijrah here, then please at least, you know, just, just don't say anything. Just keep it under wraps that I even came to speak with you in the first place. They did the exact opposite. They did the exact opposite. They, they basically had, you know, the, the teenagers in their city and the servants in their city uh, pelt the Prophet ﷺ with stones, with rocks, as well as Zayd ibn Haritha as they're on their way out of the city, ﷺ. To the point, as we know, to the point where he's bleeding, to the point where his, his feet, his shoes, they're, 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 they're wet, they're moist, they're soaked with his own blood, ﷺ. And he goes and, and we know that he, you know, he basically finds some shade, some refuge under a tree. And he's given the option, at that moment in time, he's given the option, do you want these people 
to just be completely destroyed. And it's, it's very interesting when, when you look at the circumstances and you look at the dua that he made after going through this and he's given the option. He's given the option, do you want, after the dua, do you want this city, do you want these people to be completely destroyed? And it's, it, it melts your heart when, when you come across this point in the seerah. And it forces you to say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He says, no, because maybe their kids will become believers one day. Who thinks like that? He is in his own blood. And he has given the option for all of us, what would we do in that situation? We'd say, please do it right now. You know, don't, don't take longer than 10 seconds. We, 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 don't ju- we don't just want, you know, we, do, we don't just want to get to the destination. We want the fast track. That, that's, chances are that's what we would have done, but he was different. He is concerned about, and notice, who did they unleash on him? The youth and the servants. Let's take a step back. Why would the Prophet have, have this, this pocket of hope? Because of his experiences during the years in Mecca. Who were primarily, not only, but primarily, who were the people who believed in him? The youth and the servants. So he knew the light in his message, He knows that if these people just gave me the chance, if they just gave me the time of day, chances are who are the first people going to be to accept the message? The youth and the servants. But if they're the ones who are treating him so horribly, they must not know anything. They must not have known anything about the light of Islam. They must not have known anything about the blessed Qur'an. They mu- but how do you still, in that situation, give them some, some sort of room to breathe? And his concern is, you know, even if they don't believe, even if they don't accept the message, maybe their kids will. It's extremely prophetic for us here now to be very deeply concerned about the youth, about the kids, about not only our kids, but their kids as well, to be concerned about future generations. And that's within our own believing community, obviously mankind in general, but that's where we start. We start with what's closest to home. But he's concerned about the kids of these people. They had not accepted the message yet. And on top of that, look at how he was just treated, alayhi salatu But this is how he's thinking. He's thinking 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30, 40, 50 years down the road. Because because this is is the prophetic way, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he has has this concern. He's given that option, do you want them to be destroyed? He says no. And notice something, and and those from from the subcontinent, I'm pretty sure everyone knows the name of Muhammad ibn al-Qasim al-Thaqafi. Al-Thaqafi means that he was from Banu Thaqif. Banu Thaqif... Tata'if was like Quraysh to Mecca. Muhammad ibn al-Qasim, who was a general at the age of about 17, he basically brought Islam to nowadays what we would call India-Pakistan. right? Which, which is why he, he's very known, especially in, in that area. So what the Prophet was thinking, it came through, it, it, it came to fruition within a matter of years, not even like centuries and 500 years and... Within a matter of a hundred years, that's exactly what happened. The people of Taif, within the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, by far and large, they accept Islam. And their youth accept Islam. And until now, this is something you can't make up. And you can look it up when you get home. The number one exporter in the world for roses is the city of Taif, 
Look at his concern. Look at, look at his, his, his deep care for other people, especially for the youth and for the kids of coming generations. Later, Sayyidah Aisha asked him if the day of Uhud was the most difficult day in his life. And he said, no, it was, it was the day of Ta'if. That was the most difficult day of his life. And he's there and he, you know, he, he's, he's in pain and he makes his du'a, he's given the option and, and he forgives them. And there were, there were two people, they were from Mecca. They weren't Muslim. They had a servant, but they, they saw him. They had that, that tribal love still. And they sent their servant, Adas, to go to him, you know, go and, and give him some grapes. And, you know, he, he, he's, this poor guy is in terrible shape. Go and just give him some grapes. Adas goes and he gives him some grapes. And the Prophet, before eating, he says, Bismillah, and he eats. Right? And then Hadas, he asked him, like, what did you say? Bismillah. He said, people around here don't say that. How, how do you, wh where did you learn that? And the Prophet asked him, where are you from? He says, I'm from Nineveh and Iraq. And he's like, oh, that's where my, my brother Prophet Yunus is from. And he's like, how do you know about Prophet Yunus? Even when I was there, only like 10 people knew about him. And he tells him, he says, you know, I'm a prophet and, and he's a prophet. He's my brother. Adas, what does he do? He embraces Islam. He kisses the forehead of the Prophet. He kisses his hands and he kisses his feet. And it's symbolic and I'll conclude with this. Even if one people don't accept you, the city of Ta'if, at that time, they rejected him very staunchly. Even if one group of people, even if they reject you, maybe what's right around the corner is acceptance from other people. Ta'if didn't accept him, but then Adas accepted him. And until now we know the name of Adas because of this specific story. We ask Allah to fill our hearts with compassion. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah to help us to try our best to learn about the Prophet and to follow in his footsteps as best as we can. We ask Allah for the Amni Rabbil Alameen for us and our kids and their kids and their kids until the end of time. Amni Rabbil Alameen wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.